Welcome to the Wall Builder Show. I'm Rick Green, America's Constitution coach and a former Texas legislator here with David and Tim Barton. David, America's premier historian and our founder at Wall Builders, Tim, national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders. And today we're going to jump right back in where we left off yesterday. We're teaching on the constitutional defense, the the, the idea that you have a God-given right to defend yourself. And here in America, it's protected in the Constitution. So we're getting a good crash course specifically in the Second Amendment but also just the concept of the right of self-defense, where the Founding Fathers got this idea in the laws of nature and nature's God, and what we can do to protect it today in our culture, and what you can do to be prepared to defend your own family. Let's jump in where we left off yesterday. This is constitutional defense of your family and freedom. There might be some people who are watching this on TV or or DVD, and they might say, gosh, you know what? I just don't have as much of a passion for self-defense training as you guys. Here's my message to you. You would still be wise to do everything that you can to help protect the rights of families like ours. Because while I hope it never happens, there might come a day when we need to use these guns and this training that we're getting here at Front Sight to help protect you and all of your rights. All right, that's my little one to preach there. That's over, moving on. One last thing, guys, and then I'm going to jump off here and hand it back off to my dad. We all understand the importance of living out the Second Amendment, but can somebody here give me an example of something you can do to not just live out the Second Amendment, but also protect the Second Amendment? Somebody just shout out an answer. Help me out. Vote. Yes. Educate yourself. Absolutely. Those are all great answers, guys. And on top of those, like Ms. Deidre said, I want to encourage you to become students of history. Continue to educate yourself. Continue learning about the Constitution like you are in this class. And then take this information home and send people to future classes here. Send friends, send family. And then further your training and further building your knowledge of the Constitution. And speaking of the Constitution, it's now time for me to hand it back off to the man that first taught me how to be a sheepdog and not a sheep. Y'all welcome back to my dad, Rick Green. Since you mentioned voting, I heard several people over here say voting, so we did not let them know that was supposed to, what they were supposed to say. Great job. You fed right into the next part of our presentation because you do. You have to vote. you got to pay attention. I know sometimes we say, oh, there's nobody good to vote for. There's no perfect candidate. There's never going to be a perfect candidate. Can I just tell you that? I have yet to find a candidate I agree with 100% of the time. I don't even agree with myself 100% of the time. How am I going to find somebody out there? There's never going to be a perfect candidate. So you do the best you can with what you got, where you are, and then you work hard to have better candidates next time. But we want to be engaged and involved every time. So that right to vote is extremely important to help us understand where that's protected in the Constitution for every one of us and why it's so important to do that in order to have the right to defend ourselves. Please welcome my baby girl who's been making those headshots since she was 12 years old, by the way, Cameron Green. guys. I am so excited to share this message with y'all. I just want to start off by saying thank you for being here. I truly hope that when you leave this place this weekend, you are fired up to defend your family and your freedom. So I'm going to get started by explaining the four amendments to our Constitution that actually protect our right to vote. Y'all ready? Yeah? Yeah? Heck yeah. Okay. So the 15th Amendment protects our right to vote no matter the color of our skin. Secondly, the 26th Amendment says you must be at least 18 years old to vote. That means I've got one more year to go. (laughs) Amendment 24 protects your right to vote whether you're rich or you're poor. Now lastly, this is actually my personal favorite, it's the 19th Amendment. This guarantees that we ladies have the same rights as the guys when choosing our leaders. (laughs) Exactly. Now speaking of the ladies' right to vote, I'd also like to point out the importance of the ladies' Second Amendment right to defend. 
Now, my brother Reagan, he shared a little bit about the history of the Second Amendment, and I'm always so glad to see men learning to use this right to defend their families. But if I could just emphasize that for us ladies, this right is sometimes even more critical because if we are ever caught in a bad situation, a firearm is often the equalizer for us. Now, I hope that you are never in a bad situation where you have to use your firearm, but I hope even more that you are never in a bad situation where you don't even have a firearm. So I just want to encourage all the ladies out there, whatever your age, come to Front Sight, get yourself trained, and learn to defend yourself. It'll be worth it. Because of this, whether we like it or not, we must consider this single inevitable, that there is evil in the world. And that leaves each of us with two choices. The one we make will determine our grit in the battle. Will we sit down or will we rise up? Will we cower in the corner or will we stand in defense of the defenseless? Will we allow the unfortunate results of apathy and ignorance to rest upon us when the battle calls? Because we have no idea how to use our weapons. Because they feel uncomfortable in our hands. Unused and unfamiliar, though they were given for a purpose. Or will we fight? Will we train for the task at hand, preparing for the day that evil knocks on our door, but the evildoer is shocked to find that we are ready, willing, and able to use our weapons because we trained, because we knew we were strong, because we knew that there was a reason and a purpose to defend what was right. It's not just to fight. It's not just to fire a weapon. Much better for all if the evildoer just stays away. But it is so we are not caught off guard when the fight comes, because it is our right, our responsibility, our duty to defend. This is about so much more than just becoming a great shot. It really is. It's more than just becoming freaking awesome with a gun and being able to put two in the thoracic cavity in 1.5 seconds, one in the cranial ocular if there's a failure to stop. Okay, be honest. Does anybody else feel super cool when they use these terms? Because I do. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Piazza. <laughs> I mean, being able to do all of that is awesome, like, really impressive, but there's more. There's a much deeper meaning to all of this because this is a just cause. We're given these hands to fight, these weapons to train our fingers with because there's something that must be defended. Life is worth defending. Your life, your family, they are worth defending. And if we do not pick up our arms, then who will defend them? Who will defend the ones who haven't yet learned to fight? But evil has targeted. Now, some of my friends back home, they'll say, but God is the avenger. He will protect us. Yes, God is a judge to the unjust, a defender for the innocent and the defenseless. But sometimes, sometimes he provides this defense through us. So we must learn to defend because life is precious and it must be protected. So my question for all of us tonight is will we sit on the sidelines when we're needed most? Will we sit down? And I don't say all of this to scare you. I say this to awaken you, to awaken the fighter in you, the defender in you. And the fact that you're here tonight, it already tells me you're ready, you're willing, and you're able. And that's why I'm so thankful that you're here training to defend your families and those around you. But you're also here to learn how to train, to train to defend your rights and our Constitution because of this. Our right to protect ourselves 
and our right to vote are both protected throughout the Constitution. So I beg you, do not waste these rights, but every chance that you get to vote, let your voice be heard and your values counted. And every chance that you get to train, you train hard. Be like the sniper played in Saving Private Ryan, where he would say, blessed be the Lord my strength, who teaches my hands for war and my fingers to fight. So learn, train, and fight. It's a worthy cause. Make the most of this weekend, guys. God bless y'all. Dad. Awesome. That was awesome. Well done. You can maybe tell why we used to call them the queen and her subjects. Good job, baby girl. All right, so, so look, th she's exactly right. I mean, there's so much about this that, that is a just cause and is absolutely necessary. And, and I do want to speak a little bit to the ladies because, you know, too often in our country, our government disarms people that need that defense the most. Right here in Nevada, there's the story of Amanda Collins. This happened right here in Nevada, and it was at, I think, University of Nevada. And she literally had her concealed weapons permit. She could have defended herself if the government had not disarmed her, but she was raped brutally in the parking garage, literally in sight of the police cruisers and the police office that was there in that parking garage. She said, if I had been allowed to carry my weapon on campus, I could have stopped this guy. He raped and murdered others after that, was finally caught and convicted. Horrible story, but a reminder that instead of government doing what it's supposed to do, protect our rights, too often government is preventing us from living out our rights and putting people in danger, just like Amanda Collins. If you heard what Rhett said in his, he was talking about the fact that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. So what's the purpose of government? To protect our rights, not to take them away, not to prevent us from being able to use them like what happened to Amanda. That's why this is so important for us not only to train, to come here and get physically equipped and able to live out the Second Amendment, but also to understand the Second Amendment so that when we see it under attack, we can defend and protect it. So let's go back to what Reagan was saying. Well-regulated militia. Now, if you, if you read this Second Amendment carefully, it would be great. I mean, I wish there was something, you know, very, very clear in the Second Amendment that this was the right of the people, not just like the military or something like that. I mean, it's too bad that they didn't put any language in there that was very, very clear. But wait a minute, they did. How do we miss this? See, people like to take the Constitution and try to make it so confusing and so difficult to understand. It's very simple. The Founding Fathers understood that. They made it simple for us. They made it easy to understand. The problem is it has been twisted over time. And so let me give you some of the twisting that has taken place over the last 15, 20 years in our culture. Uh, when Clinton and Gore were in office, they loved running around the country and saying, support our gun control measures. Don't worry, Bubba, we're not going to take away your shotgun. That was their big mantra. Oh, you're still going to be able to hunt. F folks, the, the second, if you listen to those guys, and you listen to the people that constantly use that excuse, we're going to take away your this or your that, but you're going to be able to hunt. It's almost as if they think the Second Amendment says, a well-regulated pheasant hunt being necessary to the security of Duck Dynasty, the right of the people to keep their arms shall not be infringed. But that's not what it says, right? It doesn't have anything to do with pheasants. It has everything to do with freedom. Not pheasants and not hunting. It's about protecting ourselves. But of course, 
They get it backwards. They, they tell us that we don't even have an individual right to bear arms in the Bill of Rights. That the law-abiding citizens, law-abiding Americans have no unconditional right to firearms access. The idea that the Bill of Rights guarantees each individual a right to own a gun is a constitutional illusion, they tell us. The sale, manufacture, and possession of handguns ought to be banned. Banned, I'm telling you. We do not believe the Second Amendment guarantees an individual right to keep them. The Austin un-American statesman says there is no constitutional guarantee for private ownership of firearms. Now, this is the mantra out there, and it is growing right now because of this response to the school shootings. Why does this even matter? Why does it matter whether it's an individual right or a group right or a, 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 a law of nature that is yours or, or something else? Why does that even matter? And the reason it matters, friends, is because there is evil in the world. And the question is not whether or not evil exists and whether or not it will be used to perpetrate crime. The question is how do we respond to that evil when it occurs? All right, folks, quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Wallbovers. This is Tim Barton from Wall Builders with another moment from American history. As the American War for Independence began, the president of Yale was the Reverend Naftali Daggett. When New Haven, the home of Yale, came under attack, about a hundred citizens rushed out to meet the British. The Reverend Daggett galloped by them on horseback, his clerical robes flowing behind him in the wind, and he took up a solitary position atop a hill. The 2,500 British soon put the townsfolk to flight, but the Reverend Daggett continued to stand alone, firing down on the advancing troops. A British officer confronted him. What are you doing there, you old fool? If I let you go, will you ever fire again on the troops of his majesty? Nothing more likely was the preacher's reply. America's early pastors personally confronted danger and courageously led their communities. For more information on Pastor Daggett and other colonial patriots, go to wallbuilders.com. We're back here on Wallbuilders. Let's jump right back into constitutional defense of your family and freedom. How do we reduce the level of school shootings and other crimes that happen in our country? What do we do when the wolf is at the door? The real question is, how do you best deter and minimize that evil? How do we respond whenever it turns into criminal violence? Now, I know some people out there say they just, you know, get rid of the guns. It's the gun culture. It's, a, it's the fact that there's too many guns available. Somehow this inanimate object is causing these things to happen. You have these you know, guys like Bob Costas, they get on television and say the problem is the gun. If we just get the gun out of the equation, it wouldn't happen. In fact, he said brilliant things like this. Gun, it's a gun culture that almost always leads to tragedy rather than safety. Far too often, bad things happen than things where the presence of a gun diminishes or averts danger. He even said, I cannot think of a single instance involving a professional athlete whereby that athlete having a gun averted or diminished a dangerous situation. Not even a single instance? I mean, I can throw a rock from my house to multiple instances, including Colt McCoy when he was the quarterback at the University of Texas before he was a professional quarterback where a crazy stalker came to his house and he had to use a brandish a weapon in order to stop this guy that had a gun 
from perpetrating a crime on Colt and his roommates. We see it in the, well, not in the news. If you really dig hard, you can get the stories of a good guy with a gun stopping a bad guy with a gun over and over and over again. The Maryland school shooting that the media doesn't want to talk about because instead of this guy able to go and kill as many as he wanted, he was stopped by the good guy with a gun, the resource officer that was there. So we see that happen. And of course, if you read the studies, John Lott's got a great, uh, Professor Lott did a, a whole study on how guns are used five times as often to stop a crime as they are used to commit a crime. So that means statistically every time you take a weapon off the street you're actually might be stopping one but now you're allowing five others to actually take place. So the data backs this up and of course the anecdotal evidence even the Sutherland Springs incident that happened right there in Texas the bad guy with the gun was stopped by Stephen Williford the good guy with the gun an NRA instructor using what kind of weapon? An AR-15 to stop the bad guy with the gun. And I loved watching the few interviews that this guy did, how humble he was. I, in fact, here's what he said. He said, I'm no hero. I'm not. I think my God, my Lord, protected me and gave me the skills to do what needed to be done. I just wish I could have gotten there faster. You know what Joe Biden said about it? He said he shouldn't have been allowed to have had that weapon to stop that crime. So let, let's use that logic. So. He shouldn't have been allowed to have the weapons so that the crazy guy could take his massive arsenal that he had and go to the next church where he was headed to do the same thing that he had done to the first church at Sutherland Springs. That's the logic of these people that want to blame it on the inanimate object. Now, the inanimate object, um, I, I, you know, we've got, I'm not going to say how many AR-15s, we've got a few of those. And, and you know, frankly, I, I think my wife looks quite hot when she's shooting her AR-15, but... Um, Makes me nervous when guys in here are clapping at me saying my wife is hot with her AR-15. But let me tell the rest of the story. So we decided to test this theory that it's the AR-15 is the problem. And I took my AR-15 and I put it on the couch and I pointed it outside. And I ordered it. I said, anybody walks up our driveway, you shoot. And I sat back and I, didn't, I just watched all day long. Multiple people walked up our driveway and my AR-15 must be the most dysfunctional, disobedient AR-15 on the planet. Didn't do a thing. Now, friends, you know, I could, I, I could take out my 45 and lay it down here, and we could all stand around it and hold hands and chant the rest of the night, but the gun is not going to shoot anybody, right? It's an inanimate object. We know this. History teaches us this. But now, of course, uh, we got this movement that's going, and we see, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods and, and, and Walmart and these others saying they're going to change, uh, and they're actually going to restrict who they sell weapons too. And, and look, I'm a free enterprise guy. Uh, hey, that's their choice. If they choose to sell to certain people and not to other people, that's a private entity. That is not government. It's perfectly fine. It's a little confusing to me. Um, so I actually put this meme on Facebook wondering about it. If Dix and Walmart can choose who they sell their goods to based on personal belief, why can't Christian bakers and florists yeah. do the same thing? I'm just... I, kind of one of those things that makes you go, hmm, I don't know, but that's, that's, that's where we are. So look, it, it, there's no doubt the gun itself is not the problem, and we could spend all night going through all the stats and the other things that uh, far more people are killed with and by uh, than even a firearm. I, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here tonight, obviously, but there's no doubt that it's not the inanimate object, and of course you know this, right? Guns don't kill people. You know, it's not people kill people, it's Chuck Norris kills people, it's the other half of that is typically the... He, he's a good Texan, so we, we tend to give him most of the, the, the credit on that. The problem with Chuck Norris is he, he supported me in my Supreme Court race, and if he's got your phone number, uh, this is what it looks like when, it, when he calls. It's just answer, answer, there is no deny. 
There is no denying Chuck. <laughs> so that's that's a bit of a problem. But no, 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 of course it's not Chuck. You got it right. People don't, you know, guns don't kill people. People kill people. Quick break, folks. We'll be right back. You're listening to Wall Builders. Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up, and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders, 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. Welcome back to Wobblers. Thanks for staying with us. Let's jump right back into constitutional defense of your family and freedom. The problem is, if you take away the guns, what happens? We'll find something else, right? The exact same day that Sandy Hook happened, the exact same day, in China, a crazy guy takes a sword and a knife and goes into a school and kills and maims almost the same number of kids as what happened at Sandy Hook. Anybody read the news lately on, on London? London mayor declares intense new knife control <laughs> policies to stop epidemics. Uh, I, I love you. Read the article. Say, at the end of the article, it says, we're, we're not sure yet what they're going to use to cut their food now, but they're going to you know, make sure that they limit. Uh, you know, look, we get rid of the guns. We use knives. Get rid of the knives. We use rocks. Get rid of the, I mean, what's the, what is the terrorist weapon of choice right now? A car or a truck, right? A big semi-truck. That's the terrorist. I don't see any calls for you know, car control and whatever the next call might be. It is not the inanimate object. I love the response of one of these sheriffs in Florida uh, to all this. He's got this deal they call the, the Sentinel Program. He said, there's gun control on every campus in Florida. And I would submit across the United States that you can't bring a gun on campus. And no one does except for the crazy person, the active shooter. There has to be a line of defense. And so what they're doing is they're deputizing teachers and getting them trained and getting them armed. Something Dr. Piazza has been calling for for years and still offers to train teachers for free that want to come out here to front site for that very reason so that you have good guys and gals with guns at the schools to stop the bad guys. Now, let me talk a little bit about why it's so important for us to get the basic concept down, not just the logic. Tim Barton, who's with us tonight, and I do a radio program called Wall Builders Live, and we've had some crazy, crazy examples over the years of things that have happened uh, in response to some of these school shootings where kids are literally getting um, kicked out of school, suspended over things like this kid. Seven-year-old suspended because he bit his Pop-Tart into a gun shape. There's a rash of Pop-Tart shootings across the country, I guess. A Maryland first grader suspended for making a gun gesture with his hand. Uh, we had the toy gun, you know, the bubble guns that blow bubbles, uh, that literally the police showed up at the house as a result of that. Just a couple of weeks ago, the social worker was fired just because on Facebook, she talked about the fact she had a concealed carry permit, didn't even, never had her gun with her at work, still fired. We've all seen the protests and the walkouts and, and, and the calls and all of these things. Now we've got a former Supreme Court justice actually saying, yes, let's repeal the Second Amendment, actually get rid of it. So folks, this, we're reaching 
a, a dire moment in our history where we can't combat this just by saying, you guys are crazy. There's a lot of people in positions of power that want to get rid of the Second Amendment, that want to infringe upon your right to keep and bear arms. So let's go back in history and look at what these guys actually said. Let's find out what the founders actually intended by the Second Amendment. So real quick, let me fly through some of these original proposals when they were debating the Bill of Rights. New Hampshire had a proposal. They said Congress shall never disarm any citizen. This one from Massachusetts. That the said Constitution be never construed to prevent the people of the United States who are peaceable citizens from keeping their own arms. Pennsylvania, no law shall be passed for disarming the people or any of them. Here's some constitutional commentaries early on. Zephaniah Swift, he was uh, author of America's first legal text. He said, self-defense or self-preservation is one of the first laws of nature. Again, so first laws of nature which no man ever resigned upon entering into society. So in other words, when you decide to be a part of a culture or you're part of a society and say, I'm going to follow the law, you don't give up your right to defend yourself and to defend your family. William Raleigh said, in the Second Amendment, it is declared that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That prohibition is general. No clause in the Constitution could, by any rule of construction, meaning we couldn't figure out some way to stand just right to interpret some clause out of the Constitution and how we interpret that construction, we could never be conceived to give Congress a power to disarm the people. If, in any blind pursuit of power, Either the state or federal government should attempt it. This amendment may be appealed to as a restraint on both. Now, James Kent's one of our two uh, American founders of jurisprudence. He said the municipal law of our country has likewise left with individuals the exercise of the natural right of self-defense. The right of self-defense is founded in the law of nature and is not and cannot be superseded by the law of society. You guys getting the rhythm here? What are these guys saying? They're saying this is an innate law of nature. God gave you this right, gave you this self-defense concept, and government should not take it away. Now, Joseph Story was one of our Supreme Court justices early on that wrote most of the opinions during his tenure on the court. Highly respected justice, and he warns us. He says, the right of the citizens to keep and bear arms has justly been considered the palladium of the liberties of a republic. In other words, this is the foundation. Without this one, it's the protector of all the other ones. Without it, you'll lose the other ones. He said it offers a strong moral check against the usurpation and arbitrary power of rulers. So see, this is, has nothing to do with hunting. This doesn't even refer to that immediate self-defense against an individual attacking you. You hear how often they're talking about protecting ourselves from what? Government. From a tyranny of a government. Okay, friends, we're out of time for today. Tomorrow, again, picking up right where we left off today, all this week, we're studying the constitutional defense uh, concept, the idea that you can defend your family in freedom, that you have a constitutional right to do this, and a duty, a responsibility to do this as well. So be sure and tune in again tomorrow, and then if you want to consider coming to the class in person, getting the full lecture and the physical training to be able to defend yourself and your family, go to patriotacademy.com, click on Constitutional Defense, get signed up and join us for that big kickoff April 22nd. will be the groundbreaking ceremony April 23rd, the first course right there at the Patriot Academy campus in Fredericksburg, Texas. Check it out today at patriotacademy.com. We stand undivided forever you